0: welcome to the london health podcast the fifth in our series of podcasts on the power of practice nursing the future of general practice nursing in london my name is imogen staveley i am a gp at bedworth health center and workforce lead for the transforming primary care team in london today jonathan Sampson provides insights reflections and learning from the hammersmith and fulham federation team and those involved in supporting patients in care homes and the extra care sheltered community. This podcast demonstrates the resilience and flexibility of primary care nurses. It also reminds us of the incredible value that collaboration brings.
1: My name is Jonathan Sampson. I'm the workforce lead for the Transforming Primary Care Team in London. Today, I'm revisiting old stomping grounds as I travel virtually to meet colleagues from the Hammersmith and Fulham GP Federation team to hear about the fantastic work and central role that nurses are playing in supporting primary care, including the care home and extra care sheltered communities. Caroline Durack is one of the directors at the GP Federation.
2: So hi everyone. I'm Caroline Durack. I'm one of the directors of Hammersmith and Fulham GP Federation a membership organisation comprising of the 29 GP practices across our geographical footprint. I'm the director lead for our training hub. I'm also a nurse and a frailty fellow. Training hubs are funded via Health Education England to plan, deliver education and training through many national imperatives and innovative ways of working within a local community setting. Historically, this focused solely on GP practice workforce. And within Hammersmith and Fulham training hub, we were keen to expand these training opportunities to all affiliated with primary care. And we sought early on to embrace our local care homes within this. Our ethos has always been to be as inclusive and creative as we can be within a limited budget allocation. One of the key training hub deliverables is the recruitment and retention of staff groups, and with a particular focus on nursing and primary care, which historically is difficult to recruit to. What became clear very early to us is that actually within community district nursing and particularly the care homes, they had an even bigger challenge than what we did. Heading into lockdown, all of our staff, both Federation and Training Hub staff, were redeployed to support colleagues in primary care and they fulfilled many roles, both operational, clinical, administrative, technical and pastoral. You will hear from colleagues some of the inspirational work that they and their teams have been undertaking, be that engaging within the hot hubs, developing dedicated websites, the We Care initiative, centralised nurse clinics, integrated support from our acute frailty team and importantly the work from within the care homes and particularly the extra care sheltered housing fraternity.
1: We asked a number of the Federation's partners to describe the challenges they faced during COVID and how they have worked together to respond. Kate Sendall is the Clinical Programme Manager for Frailty at Imperial College Healthcare Trust
3: we have teams that work in our emergency departments and we also have teams that work out in the community liaising with our local care homes and at the beginning of COVID we weren't really completely sure where our main focus was going to be we knew that the patients were vulnerable and that they would particularly the cohort of patients we look after in frailty would would really need some additional support but the balance is keeping them safe and away from hospital but making sure that they get access to the care they have needed. Probably the biggest area of our focus was care homes throughout the early part of the crisis and going forward I think that that will carry on and so early in April we expanded so we originally looked after just two care homes in Hammersmith and Fulham and now we've got 26 care homes that we look after across the tri-borough That's probably the biggest win for us is making sure that everybody had somebody that they could ring from the hours of eight in the morning till midnight, uh, that they always knew that there would be a nurse on the end of the phone uh, who could help them and support them. And we're not just coordinating if their patients are particularly unwell, but if they're worried about PPE, if they're worried about their staffing, if they're worried about a group of patients or how to manage in this situation, then we could help with any of those things as well.
1: Dominic Monnier is a suite manager for nursing and dementia at the Chiswick Nursing Centre.
4: My ward is uh, the nursing dementia ward and was um, hit quite early by a wave of uh, virus uh, the mid end to March. Uh, Funnily enough, I was going through some emails from the end of February, uh, which now seems like a very distant era, and I remember how much in, in nursing homes we felt I'm isolated on a remote island waiting for a big tsunami to to hit us and despite not knowing when and how the situation would unfold we were extremely aware that the virus could have a devastating effect an impact on our vulnerable residents uh, extremely frail especially those uh, living with dementia uh, we also had to prepare the team that we were going to be exposing ourselves and our families to a potentially uh, deadly disease. I think we all know that working in, in healthcare uh, comes with a certain degree of occupational risk, but definitely not to, to this extent. In order to prepare for those specific challenges, we had to ask ourselves some very difficult questions, and many of which did not have answers, such as how we're we going to cope with multiple deaths in a short time, and how would we cope with our fear in relation to our health and our, our families. I believe that being open and discussing honestly with the team uh, these issues meant that we were able to face this wave of tragedy and avoid a lot of of trauma. Hoping for the best but expecting the worst also meant that we were effectively able to get through the most challenging moments and and find the strengths to carry on. Uh, on a positive side, this major health crisis has, has been an incredible opportunity for all of us to be to be creative. I think we've all noticed that many of the usual ways of working have been rendered obsolete. And and more than ever, it's been uh, essential to be surrounded by people who have the ability to to think outside the box and accept that sometimes the least worst answer is the best possible solution.
1: Kate Marsh is a nurse practitioner working at Sands End Health Clinic and Sharon Kumalo, a community matron. Here they talk about how they have worked together to support staff and residents.
5: So I think when COVID first kind of became a reality, the hardest bit was the care homes not really wanting people to visit because they were frightened about risk of infection, but also because of the nature of the care home and the criteria for the residents for living in that care home, They were unable to do some things, for example, take temperatures or to send us pictures of maybe chronic wounds that needed attention. And that made that quite difficult sometimes to understand what was going on. So you would end up talking on a manager's mobile phone to a resident who was quite poorly and unable to perhaps hear you that well because you weren't able to go in. And then when the district nurses were going in, That made it an awful lot easier because they could then report back and that made it much, much easier to understand uh, what you were being asked to prescribe for. There were two people in the care home, both with a degree of cognitive impairment, who had the COVID and almost discharged from hospital, still positive for COVID and was because of the dementia was roaming around in communal spaces in the care home and I think that frightened people because they felt that that was a potential source of infection for them and Sharon sorted out those issues with her amazing communication skills that did cause problems for a little bit of time and I feel even now that where visiting is much more regular, that it's a little bit more closed. Before you would walk in and I felt like we were starting to be accepted. I would always call in and say, you know, anything else I can do while I'm here? And now they'll say hello, but they, you can see they want you in and out. And I, I think that will change once they feel less threatened by the outside world. And then again, because I think Sharon set such a strong culture of good communication, of clear communication, of regular communication, that we have a much better exchange of what's going on between the surgery and the district nurse team. And we email regularly about changes, about things that are happening, about concerns and that. I I feel that's starting to join us up more as a team. The
6: care homes
5: and extra sheltered care schemes
6: face a number of challenges. There was a lot of anxiety obviously being a new virus. When patients actually started getting unwell and this would happen quite quickly, patient would become unwell, go to hospital, be tested for COVID and a couple of them came back positive, which was again a challenge because most of these residents in these care schemes are elderly, they are cognitively impaired so their understanding of isolation isn't like you know our understanding and moreover the carers themselves didn't understand what it all meant to to isolate we found that residents were still mixing and it was all really quite chaotic in some of the larger care schemes and day rooms were still open again that caused a lot of tension between the visiting community nurses and the care scheme management because we then had to put pressure on them and that led to them seeking more advice and that resulted in day rooms being closed, patients being kept in their own rooms, which then was some reassurance for the nursing staff that something was being done and everybody seemed to understand now that this was quite serious and we had to take serious steps. But this was all achieved through communication. We feel that we succeeded because even the, in the larger care schemes, not many patients ended up getting the COVID-19 and we didn't have any deaths. Okay to the results in, within the surgery that I use and we communicate a lot about issues that we come across within the care schemes. And Kate works very closely with the GPs. So I discuss patients with her and she's able to discuss with GP and quickly give me an outcome or a plan of how we are to move forward with that patient. And Kate also knows that her work very closely here with the district nurses so if she's got any issues or any complex patient she contacts me and i'm able to communicate and get her straight in and answer quickly
1: claire anderson is general manager at nazareth house and recounts the challenges that they faced keeping residents and staff safe
7: in the early stages none of us knew what to expect We just wanted to obviously keep the residents safe, keep the staff safe. Everyone was anxious and we needed to make sure that the residents were safe because we're looking after vulnerable adults. We didn't know how the virus was going to affect the residents. Obviously, I still had to staff the home. Um, I still had to make sure that the staff were coming to work, regardless to obviously how anxious they were and obviously the risk to their own families trying to explain to residents that they needed to isolate and stay in their bedroom was obviously an anxious time and not all my residents were obviously able to to stay in their room and isolate because I have residents living with dementia that, that walk about with purpose so that was a big challenge and then we were finding that we weren't receiving supplies that we had done before with regards to equipment And I was have to say I was really fortunate that the local authority and Public Health England and Imperial were all there to support. I received daily phone calls, which really helped, um, because obviously I had problems with families when the home went into lockdown because they still wanted to see their loved ones. And then obviously we had quite a few issues around obviously testing initially, um, but Imperial were really good with that. And obviously making sure that the residents had their temperatures checked looking out for symptoms and making sure that the shifts were covered. It would have been a lot harder if I hadn't had the support of everybody around me.
1: Rolda Downs is a frailty nurse working for Imperial College Healthcare NHS Trust and highlights how she was able to support care home colleagues in education and training regarding PPE.
8: In the beginning, it was very challenging. There was a lot of staff insecurities. There was issues around PPE and not having the correct equipment and stuff like that. There was also misunderstanding in what form of PPE was appropriate in this setting. A pandemic like this highlights the need for education and training, especially on infection control and the appropriate use of PPE but also on the donning and doffing of PPE because I think we get into a habit of doing things in a certain way and we we don't pay particular attention to it anymore. So even with the posters and everything from public health, people were still doing it in, in the way that they were used to. And so we've had to do a lot of education and support and training. At present, the training I am going to be doing after this is infection control um, training again. It's an ongoing thing that we're going to try and keep on top of. We've had quite a lot of staff that were off, unwell. Or isolating. Um, So there was also, I guess, from the care homes point, you know, like the challenge of having to get staff to cover periods and staff having to work spread themselves thin in, in order to cover the shifts when there were no staff to come in. I've known a few where managers had to stay back behind hours after their shifts are over in order to ensure that the the care home was was safe and that they were doing everything they can to get staff in. So I think it was a challenge all round. But luckily, people are coming to terms with it now. Once we were able to do the, the swabs and to send off for the residents, that was quite good because then we were able to know who we were isolating, who were really infectious and who we were isolating because they have symptoms but are not positive. And then later on, when, when we started swabbing the staff as well, I think that gave them more confidence and to make them feel more reassured because now they were feeling like they're actually part of the, of the, the picture that's getting looked at now rather than I think in the beginning, the care homes felt that they were left aside. They were, you know, and everybody was focusing on the NHS. But now I think that everybody is a lot happier because they, they see that they're being supported as well.
1: Federation staff have also been closely involved in supporting care homes and primary care networks in Hammersmith and Fulham. Vicky Newport is the nurse lead for the Federation and training hub. She's a nurse practitioner by background and a Queen's nurse. Here she describes the work that was done to provide PCNs with PPE.
9: Predominantly, I supported the primary care networks with the PPE. So they tried to devise a centralised approach to try and look at ordering equipment and sourcing equipment through the different sites, The other areas I was um, supporting practices on was not only personal and professional advice, Um, a lot of queries from staff that were uncertain about different perhaps protocols or guidance on patients that could either be seen or not seen. We supported the practices through developing a nurse-led centralised clinics number of practice nurses not only work part-time, but certainly they were redeployed back into the trusts or the, to the community areas that they had come from. And also with sickness and shielding, this proved to be rather difficult for the patients that still should have been seen for urgent bloods, cervical smears, immunizations, and simple wound care. So we set up a clinic to try and support the practices, and um, this was very well received. With all the information that was coming through right at the beginning, it was really difficult. We were just bombarded with guidance and different resources. And so part of my role was to bring together all the information and circulate it to the practices and to the care homes, what was appropriate, and we updated the website daily to ensure that all the relevant training and education, infection control, PPE guidance, resources regarding mental health, psychological wellbeing, information for hardship funds. And there were so many new excellent resources that have been developed, not only by the QNI, but the RCN, the different charities, the RCGP and the LMC. And we can be really grateful to to all those organisations for everything that was developed.
1: Mandek Hussein is a workforce consultant working for the GP Federation. Here she describes the We Care initiative designed to nurture and support care home colleagues.
10: The We Care initiative is grounded in the belief that the morale of those who are working on the front line in our care homes, in our extra sheltered homes, uh, needs to be nurtured. Uh, So the We Care initiative is premised on the belief that, as a community, we are able to come together to provide support, resources, and connections uh, for those who are working in the facilities. To date, we have been able to bring meals to our care home staff, connect them with well-being resources, access to grants, and fundamentally create that community connection that we're seeking. So we have those who are in the local schools writing letters and drawings for those in the care home. The belief is that this interconnected system, working together centered on compassionate care for our staff member is fundamental going forward. As my colleagues have mentioned, this is a fundamentally incredible opportunity for us to identify not only new ways of working, by centering ourselves in a community-based network to address the complex challenges that individuals and our organisations face.
1: Finally, we ask the Federation's partners to reflect on what they've learned and how it will affect their practice and partnership working in the future. Roll the downs again.
8: We have to learn a new way of working, highlighting the need for infection control and appropriate use of PPE and stuff like that. I guess as we go along, swabbing the residents, swabbing the staff as we go forward, then that would highlight to us if there's anybody who's unwell and we could isolate
3: them appropriately. Kate? I think one of the key moments for me uh, in terms of the the programme and thinking about some of the new ways we were working is as part of everything we've tried we've also um, put some remote monitoring into some of our homes um, and basically it, it looks like an old-fashioned white iPod and it's been kindly given to us by Current Health who have been working with the Care Information Exchange and, and you strap it to a patient's arm and it means that back in the hospital we can see that what their observations look like without having to be there. As part of that setup of equipment, you can video call the patients as well as obviously their carers. So this has given us a great way to get inside people's rooms and really make sure that we're connecting with the patient. And and I hope that we can still do that because that ability to do that means that we can reach far more homes. And if we have to traipse around the 26 homes in the tri-bar on
1: foot.
4: Dominic? I think one of the biggest challenges uh, is also the one which which lays ahead, um, as the wider wider public is is generally getting back to a more normal way of life. Uh, in nursing homes, we're bracing ourselves for some many many more months of of difficult working conditions, and and possibly a, a second wave or or more. Uh, there's still a lot of unknown. At least now it's a relief that the proper processes are are in place at last. Um, adding this to the experience that we've acquired, I think we'll be able to approach the future with a bit more serenity and a bit less fear. In the meantime, there's also a big aspect that we often have had to put under the carpet is, is the number of, of deaths that we've had to deal with in a very, very short time. We're having to re- reflect on what we've just witnessed in the last three months and catch up with the bereavement process for, for all of these people that we've lost. Claire.
7: I think I will take forward how it's obviously affected the service because obviously you're juggling everything um, and dealing with everything that you, you don't actually have time to take a step back and think about the bereavement process or you don't have time to think about necessarily what's going on around you. You just get on with it. You just face that challenge and look at different ways around it to find the solution to it. But I have been fortunate enough with working relationships with everybody, which um, has made a really big difference. Um, my staff were, were not the best with wearing PPE all the time. So that was a big challenge. So in community areas and stuff, obviously, where they're not used to wearing it, they obviously needed to be wearing it. Um, so it was great to have training and infection control leads come in. And it was great to have the local authority provide PPE when we couldn't source it elsewhere. So, yeah, the partnership working has been fantastic, and I will take that with me.
1: Sharon? I
7: think what I'm going to take
6: forward is you can be brave, but at the same time uh, have fear. And I, I know that in the midst of all this there was a lot of fear, but we were brave as well, and nurses went out there and delivered what they had to deliver. It felt like soldiers in a war. So we will carry on, do what we do to our patients, make sure they get the treatment that they need to get despite whatever is happening.
1: And a final word from Caroline.
2: Thank you, Jonathan. So I was very inspired and I'm very proud of what we heard today, and particularly new ways of working that need to be embedded and need to become day to day working. I think going forward we need to stay strong and we need to stay focused in the present and we need to recognize that this crisis will end and there will be lessons to be learned and hopefully the recognition that the skills knowledge innovation compassion and leadership that nurses bring to the party are not to be forgotten for me a nurse a nurse uh, is a nurse irrespective of the setting that they work within so be that at the head end in ITU or at a person's side in a residential extra care sheltered environment. The role of the nurse has to become central again and it has to be re-recognised as being needed again. If we were to leave a legacy it should be that nursing has a role within acute primary care and community settings that is strong, seamless, resourceful, interchangeable and to be recognised as core and not just for a pandemic.
0: I want to thank Jonathan and the Hammersmith and Fulham Federation team for their contribution, because it reminds us all to listen to primary care nurses during COVID and beyond. By listening and giving these nurses a voice, we will enable them to support their GP family, their patients and to help shape the wider system as we move beyond the initial stages of the COVID pandemic. Finally, I want to thank HEE, NHSE and I, Capital Nurse and HLP for their support in creating this podcast. We are bringing you a series of podcasts highlighting the power of practice nursing over the next few months. Please do subscribe to our series. Do also share your own stories of practice nursing on social media with the hashtag LondonGPN. We look forward to hearing from you.